Hello and welcome to the First Book Podcast, India's first and only podcast dedicated to helping first-time authors. In this podcast series, we have conversations with best-selling authors and business leaders to understand how they successfully cracked their first book. This conversation helps us to get a sneak peek into their journey as an author. This podcast is done in association with Notion Press, one of India's largest publishing ecosystem with over 88,000 members and they distribute books in over 100 countries. In this edition of the First Book podcast, we speak with Prakash Iyer, best-selling author of 3 books, a leadership coach for CEOs and a professional speaker. He was until recently the managing director of Kimberly Clark Lever and was earlier the managing director and CEO of Infomedia India Limited. Prior to that, Prakash was executive director at PepsiCo, responsible for the company's operations in South India and Sri Lanka. I have read all of his three books: The Habit of Winning, The Secret of Leadership, and You Too Can. Prakash is a master storyteller and I like the simplicity of his stories in his books that have a powerful impact. In this podcast, I have an interesting conversation with him and you can find invaluable nuggets of information for both wannabe authors and published authors. We discuss a myriad of subjects such as what motivated him to start writing, how we found the time in spite of being CEO of large companies how we overcame the dreaded manuscript slush pile to win a publisher what marketing tips he used to make his books into bestsellers and how his books helped him to become a successful global professional speaker let's now dive into the conversation with prakash ayer prakash thank you so much for coming on the first book podcast Hey, it's so good to be here, and you know, it's going to bring back lots of very fond memories of that first book. So I'm really looking forward to this. Prakash, you've published two best-selling books. Your latest book, YouTube, can has come out, and I can already tell you that it's going to top the charts. But I want you to rewind back. How did Prakash Iyer get interested in writing? So, as a little kid, I used to love to write those little things, and you know, whether it was the school magazine where I would write a little piece, or you know, I, I quite enjoyed it. So I think there was very early signs that I enjoyed writing, and I still remember writing an essay in school about a person I admire, which incidentally was my brother. You know, so while everybody wrote about Gandhi and Mother Teresa, here I was talking about my brother as a person I admire, and I kind of enjoyed. I have very fond memories of the stuff. I, I used to write letters to the editor of magazines, and I remember uh, writing to Sports Week. A big cricket fan, and I would, you know, write stuff which was like I'd like to say now, you know, very high literary quality and very futuristic because I would write stuff like, you know, congratulations to Gavaskar for scoring a hundred. Keep it up, Sunny. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can see the literary merit in that. But when I say futuristic, you know, it was less than one forty characters, so you can see I had things going pretty early in my life. So I used to write a bit, and then I started writing. You know, I'd write some humor pieces for the Sunday Observer. So writing has been somewhere in my head for a long time, and I remember maybe even I don't know maybe ten, fifteen years before my first book, I used to make this list of things I'd like to do in a year, you know, which would include stuff like saying become you know waist size thirty, which never happened, or or get a lower handicap in golf, which again you know is always a work in progress. But that list would also include write a book. So I've I kind of have this great sense of wow for a book where I felt if I had a legacy to leave. you know i could see a book being a great part of it and you know in my most fabulous dreams 
I would have grandchildren climbing up the attic and discovering this little book and saying, wow, you know what? My granddad wrote it. And for me, that meant something. And I guess it's been on my head for a very long time to write a book. So having things on your bucket list can actually come true one day, right? Oh, that's completely true. And you shouldn't worry too much about when it comes true or what are the odds of it coming true. I think you should make that bucket list because it tells you somewhere along the way, it's inside of you, that's really what you want to do. So I think it's a pretty powerful way to do it. So you were in the upper echelons of corporate world when you got your first book out. In fact, would I be right when you were the CEO of Infomedia when this first book happened? So, you know, we had sold Infomedia. It was owned by private equity and then we sold it to another strategic company. And when we sold it, I had some time on my hands at the end of it. And I said, great idea to start blogging. And I started blogging and then wrote that book. And yes, it was published. By the time it got published, I was the CEO of Kimberly Clark. So you're absolutely right. That's when I wrote that book. And your second book, The Secret of Leadership. And you wrote that when you were the CEO of Kimberly Clark. So, so my important point, and this is very relevant to everyone listening to this, is how do you find the time? I think you first find what is it that you want to do and you really, really want to do. Once you find that, time will find you. Don't worry too much about saying, I don't have the time. Okay? I think you should really want something badly enough. Once you want it, you will find the time for it. And I think there's enough time in our day. There are lots of time where we spend on things that don't really matter too much. And we are okay with it because we haven't quite figured what really matters to us. So because our mind is not very clear about what's important and what's not, what really matters and what doesn't, we end up spending our time the way we do. Once you get this clarity in your head that this is something I really want to do, I think you'll find the time for it. And in my case... The idea of writing a book and what it means was so big for me that I could write, you know, waiting for boarding to be announced for an aircraft. I could write sitting inside an aircraft. I would write in hotel rooms. I would, you know, I'd do everything for the day. And then before I went off to bed, maybe spend a couple of hours writing something. So I think you'll find the time. I don't think that's, I'm sure there are better excuses you need to think of for not writing that book. Not having the time, I don't think is a good one. Brilliant one. A little bit into the nitty-gritties. What tools do you use? What has been helpful for you to help concentrate little information that would be helpful? I wish I could say things like I shut myself off and go to the seaside and spend six months writing a book. None of that. I think I can write anywhere. I think you've got to get started. All of us struggle to just sit down the first time and get started. And before we get started is when we start saying, I need peace and quiet and I need the right environment and, you know, I need the right kind of chair or the right tools. I think those are not really the most important bits. You just need to get started. And once you get started, you'll find yourself getting drawn into it and you'll want to come back and write a lot more. So for me, honestly, I think you need peace and quiet. Let's say I wouldn't be able to write if the television you know, was on. I wouldn't be able to do it because I'd you tend to keep looking up to see what's happening. And that's not a very good thing. You want to get lost in what it is that you're writing. But therefore, you should. it is not to say that you need peace and quiet as much as you need an environment you can shut yourself out from. So you really can't be writing if you've got lots of people you know around you. So if I was sitting around and I've got people sitting with me, my wife or my children hanging around, then maybe I can't write at that moment. But equally, if I'm in an airport where I don't know people, it doesn't matter that 20 people around me or there's a general din doesn't affect me. I can continue to write over there. How did you find your publisher? Walk us through that journey. <laughs> so, you know, I must tell you, so this was, what, 2000 and 2009 when I was looking for a publisher. 
and I'm a wiser man now. So for those listening in, I'm sure I can give you some help and advice on how to do it. But when I did it, it was probably the worst way possible. What I did was that I was convinced I had this great best-selling book idea in my head. I had been blogging about it. So I'd written out like a few pieces which would give you an idea of what would go into the book and what the writing style was. And then I kind of Googled how to make a book proposal. And I figured, so I kind of made a book proposal, typed it out the way they said that I should, put in what the idea was, how I would launch it, what would go with it, who would do, the, you know, lots of little, little stuff and sprayed some good aftershave onto it and then pushed it into envelopes and said, let me now send it out to three or four publishers. And I picked two local publishers, uh, you know, the easy ones, which I said will surely happen, you know, it was Rupa and Jayko. And then I picked two of the bigger ones and I said, let's aim big, Prakash, come on, that's what it's all about. So I said, let's go to Penguin and Harper. So here we were, four A4 size envelopes with the proposal and off they go. It was almost a mini event at home. I could still remember the children, you know, putting cello tape properly, you know, just in case an editor rejected it because it wasn't taped properly. <laughs> we had all of it done and I didn't have any names to put on it. So it would go to like the editor at that books, wow. you know, and I sent it. And guess what? Within a week, I got a response. Rupa wrote back and said, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you know, you say, yeah, they don't deserve it. And then, of course, a few weeks later, I called, you know, I didn't hear from Jeko. And I used to live in Mumbai and Jeko was right there. So I found that there's a telephone number I could call. So I call up the number and I get connected and I speak to an operator who, you know, says, come on, you know, why can't this guy get smarter about it? But anyway, she puts me through to an editor who I could swear is in a kitchen cooking something. But uh, anyways, she, you know, I get onto the phone and in the middle of all those noises, she asked me, so tell me quickly, what is the book all about? Wow. And then of course, this is before I understood that I need an elevator pitch. So I said something to her, which was, you know, clearly not convincing enough because she said, oh, you know, not really, not interested. And so it remained until three months later, I get this email from Penguin from a delightful woman called Heather Adams, who writes to me to say, you know what, she's read the book and she, she read the proposal and she loves it. And she thinks she could help make a great book and she'd love to work with me. Wow. And, and that's how it happened. You know, I must, I must add here, Kirpa, that uh, I later learned from the publishers that, you know, this would be, which would count amongst those miracles in publishing because this is what they call their slush pile. These envelopes go to the publisher and they probably end up in the loop before you know it. So the fact that it got picked up and, you know, got seen and got picked was probably a bit of a surprise. So that's the worst way to do it. I think you should be careful. You should send it to someone who you know, try and do a bit of a background check, ref check, call up and then send it. Mm. Ideally, get somebody else who might know them to then kind of say, hey, I think this might be interesting. Would you be interested in taking a look? Mm. Do that. Putting it into an envelope, sending it blind, not a good idea. So writing the book is one thing, publishing it is one thing, but marketing the book and getting the book the right visibility it so rightly deserves is another. So you just launched your third book, You Too Can. So tell us about some of the strategies that you are employing for this book. So I would probably say, you know, just to go back a little bit, before you get into marketing it or saying publishing it, for people who might want to write the book, they tend to worry too much about how will I market it? What will I do? Or who will publish it? Will anybody publish it? I'd probably say, don't worry too much about those two. Just worry about the first one, which is write the book. And I think that's really the key bit. Don't say, I'm not sure how I'll market it or what will I do to publish it. First, write. 
and that's really the bigger challenge i think a lot of people i think there'll be some great books out there which would be easy to market which publishers will lap up but none of that is happening because the poor sort hasn't written it yet if anyone out there wants to write a book my advice would be first write it mm. don't worry about what will happen after that just write it write as good a book as you could ever have written enjoy the process of writing that book and imagine that this is the only book you'll write in your life what would that be and you know and then write it and don't worry about what the fifth one would look like just write the first one i think that's what you do having written it and having got a publisher i think it's important for you to have to market it you know it's your baby it's completely your baby and therefore you must try and say look what can i do with it how can i ensure that it gets seen gone are the days where you could say it's such a good book that it'll you know people will find it for themselves or they'll discover it that doesn't happen even in in not just not in books or publishing in the real world it doesn't happen you've got to market it you've got to make sure it's there visible to people so what i try and do is of course to try and say look how can i ensure that the right kind of people might see this so i do a fair bit of social media around it uh, and it's not only around the book because then that can look like a sales job so you know i in general try and talk to people who might be interested in what i do so i tweet about it or i might put something on facebook or you know i might have a video which talks about what happens here i'd also go and speak at forums you know so if it could be a madras management association one day it could be the ad club somewhere it could be a college but you go out there and try and talk about the book i would certainly try and make sure that the relevant kind of people might have seen it so there are friends or people who might who i think might be important i might actually send them a book and say hey take a look and tell me what you think of it so i think there's a lot of stuff that you should do and every day every step you take can only go in the direction of saying how can i help to spread the word on that book the first bit though of course is to write a good book and believe in what you've written prakash you are also a professional speaker how much of a role has your books got to do with the success of you as a speaker huge huge i'd be honest in saying that i think you know we can all think that oh you've had this position in the corporate world and therefore people know you and stuff like that but that's not true uh, beyond a point you know what's in your business card isn't really as important as what people take away in their heads and their hearts and for me i must confess the books have been a huge part of what's happened at two levels first allowing me to make the decision to switch from being a corporate employee to being a speaker on my own right in my own right and i think the courage to do that the confidence to do that the temptation to do that i'm guessing got built out of the feedback and the you know and whatever might have happened with the books and even today and you know i can speak if you'll allow me to be a little kid for a bit you know i get my high out of being at an airport or on a flight where somebody comes up to me and says you know aren't you you know and i've read your you know and i think that's a great feeling as an individual and i think you've got to figure what is it that turns you on in life and for me you know it's not the car i drive which matters to me or you know how much of the money in the bank i think they are nice to have but they are not really what drives me forward what drives me is really getting that email you know from that someone i don't know sitting in a world in some corner of the country who says that you know she read the book or he read the book and it made a difference to the way they think that to me is is really a great feeling for me yeah so one common word uh, by people used to describe you that you're a good storyteller storyteller is one that constantly comes when people describe you what would be your advice for others on how to pick up the art of storytelling and this is my final question you know i i love storytelling i love stories and i actually think that they work very well so you can tell somebody that's the way to do it or you know here's the theory behind it or here's the principle that you should follow i don't think it works but tell them a story and it kind of sticks in their head so i think stories are very very powerful and they are all around us so you know 
even as I listen to you or as, as we sit and, you know, have a cup of coffee somewhere, I think what the waiter does might have a story there or the way they might serve the coffee might have a story there. And I, I keep looking for those stories. So in my head, I'm constantly, I think, looking at life with two lenses, as it were. The first lens is really what's happening and what's, what's it all about. And there's this other lens that's coming through, which is what's the learning from this for all of us? What can we all learn? So, you know, I, I tend to pick up stories almost automatically, therefore, around what's happening around me. And I love to tell those stories. And the way to get better at it, perhaps, is to keep telling them, make mistakes, but try and tell those stories. So maybe two or three things by way of advice. First, keep looking around for stories. It's almost like have your antenna up. So you'll find stories all around you. Lots of people say, but where are the stories? Okay. So for me, very often I'll read a book and if after 350 pages, what I'll remember is that one paragraph somewhere which had a little story, which I'll say, wow, I'd love to tell this to somebody else. You know, the second one I think is that It's not about saying that all those stories have to be, you know, great internal realizations or epiphanies for you. It could be something that happened around you. It could be something that somebody else saw, you know. But your ability to correlate what you saw or what happened to someone else to a more universal lesson or learning is really what good storytelling is all about. So for me, the fact that Sachin Tendulkar might have done something or experienced something is what happened to him. But if I think that, hey, I can use that as a powerful story to tell somebody else about a value that I think is important, that's really something that, I think that can work pretty well for you. I enjoy it. And maybe that's the last bit over here, which is, you know, find stories. They're all around you. Tell them often so you'll get better at it. But most important, I think, enjoy it. If you try and tell a story because, you know, you read somewhere that storytelling is powerful, it won't work. You've got to believe it works for you. And I think you'll, the enjoyment will show through. Beautiful thing about the enjoyment bit. With that, Prakash, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely loved it. Thank you so much, Krupa. It's been a pleasure talking to you and indeed to everyone else who's listening in over here. And my last piece of advice would be, if you want to write a book, it's very simple. Just write. <laughs> thank you. You were listening to The Conversation with Prakash Ayer, best-selling author of three books, a leadership coach for CEOs, and a professional speaker. I hope you learned something useful from this podcast. To listen to the rest of the episodes with other best-selling authors, please visit notionpress.com slash podcast. I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Until then, take care and bye-bye.